2: Overdrive. I was always survive.
0: So, you know, should I as we roll in, should I open the, the
3: sure, present as the way
0: in? Go right ahead. Are you recording? So
3: this was this was I gave you a present last week, but it's this heavy. was this was in my box of things to wrap and it was at the bottom and I hadn't realized that I'd, hadn't. I hadn't
0: understand that I, Oh. Thank you. Yes, I had seen these at one of Had you? At um, cuz this is is this someone local? Yeah,
3: I well I bought that at Green Machine Comics. Yeah. From the corner that Steve has that is all local
0: Yes, creators. so I'd actually seen this at CampbellCon last year. Oh. Luke said, you don't need it. <laughs> and this falls under, uh, I have this thing with, who was I talking? I think it was talking with Chip Mosher about this, that um, when when you have like shaped chocolates or or you know carved soaps the kind of thing like right i I can't use them right because it's like no i need the integrity of what it is so uh, uh, this is a beautiful this is perfect it goes on the uh it's it's transparent
3: soap with the glow in the dark heads of the the, yes which
0: i can go so i will uh and it says six soaps, funeral flowers available on Etsy dot com, and I will uh, I will place this. It goes wonderfully with my shrine to the haunted mansion. Great uh, that uh, we added a few things,
3: and you can still smell it through the uh, yes through the wrapper. I
0: can, so uh, <laughs> my living room will now smell of lilacs. Yes, or is that an appropriate funeral flower? I think lilac is a funeral flower. Yeah, we yeah. just they just before Christmas released. A doom buggy, and it's a cheap toy, but, it, but a doom buggy, yes. a doom buggy that when you press it, it has three, uh, three Possible. sound bites oh. from the ghost hosts' narration, mm-hmm. and uh, or and the during uh, the end part of the ride, and and it lights up to have all three hitchhiking ghosts. Oh, it has in all it. three, but they're all just you know in full body. It's like a little screen, but right. as it, right. you know it's a cool little touch. Luke saw it and said. Yeah, you got to buy this, and I said, "Well, if Stephanie already bought it for me for Christmas, then you get it." He goes, "That was my plan." <laughs> so, uh, and what else did? And we, and when we picked up, uh, they had a framed shag of the dancers of the ballroom dancers. Oh, oh, cool! So we got the whole the whole panorama. The... It's a, it's a, it's just a little print, and okay. then they have larger prints. We got of the uh to, of of the, but it's the chandeliers and the table. Uh, yes. Okay. I think he actually got two print, prints. It got divided up, but they had one framed. Okay. Like a little uh, for a reasonable price as opposed to the, would you like to spend $500 for a large framed print? Yes. of? Yes. Uh, and I said, yes, I would. But uh, I did buy also, he has the singing busts. So a, a print of them across. So
3: The singing busts? Busts in the graveyard. Oh, singing busts. Yes. Oh, I like those. those that's my favorite part of the writing.
0: Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. So I said, Well, I guess I must buy this and like dang it, Shag. Yeah. So hey, it's after after Christmas. It's the day after Christmas and all through the Brett Cave we are stirring. And there's nobody to save. If there's no one to save. And uh Rick in his flannel and I in my Spidey. <laughs> it's, it's a sweater, you know. It's not a tidy whitey. Okay, I'm out. Anyway, no, this no. is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com. It is December 26th, and uh, ostensibly I'm, uh, I, you know, it's like, oh, it's the week off, so this is nice. Uh, and uh, recording with the winter sun streaming in, blue skies, blue skies, California, California
3: Christmas yesterday.
2: Wait,
0: didn't we get rain Christmas Not Eve? Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve we got yes.
3: rain. We didn't get any on, on Christmas at all. No. Clear no. blue
0: skies. Well, actually, over where I was, it was it was cloudy. So was we it? thought for a moment. And then it went away. Okay. So it was a brief cloud. It was oh. a brief cloud. It was fine. Anyway, uh, so this is the Fanboy Planet podcast for December 26th. And across from me, of course, wearing his flannel uh, and producing the podcast. I'm actually wearing uh, flannel. It is. I know. It's uh Rick Brett Snyder. Yeah, identify yourself. Yeah. Anyway, so we, uh, we've we got some... Pendleton. Uh, it's Pendleton. Ooh, that, that's finely woven flannel. Yeah. And, uh, anyway. yeah. uh, yes, so uh, we got some comics news, some movie news, some TV news, a little bit. And, of course, it is the end of the year, or I like to think of it as the beginning of a new year, or or as I think of it, uh, one week goes into the next. You know, as I've said before, I'm not, like, a super, like, oh, new and once Christmas is over, it's like, eh, all right. Anyway, uh, so uh, before we get into into talking about that sort of stuff, Chris, do want to mention that uh, you can find us on your favorite podcast source, uh, whether it be Apple Apple Podcast or Stitcher, or no, we're not on Twitch, uh, or Podcast Pickle, and I don't know who else. But hey, by the way, if you if there's one you like to use and it's not just going directly to fanboyplanet.com and going to the page by all means let us know if there's one we should be on that we're not so please write into editor at fanboyplanet and let me know we want to make it easy for you absolutely fanboyplanet.com rather not just editor at fanboyplanet.com so anyway uh so there you go and tell your friends if you are enjoying the podcast as well as it's boxing day when we record this, which means, of course, that in America, I think in the rest of the world, it's like a, it's a, it's a quaint holiday in which you still give to others. And, uh, in America, it's a day in which you return the gifts you didn't want.
3: Today, you start discussing with your significant other when the. Decorations are going to come down.
0: I believe 12 days, not before January 6th, the Feast of Kings, the the 12th day of Christmas. You leave it up for a full 12 days after, and when the three kings arrived on January 6th. So, that is when I take it down. That's not really true. I take it down the weekend or the month after (laughs) January 6th, but I use that as the excuse at least then. It's not sad till January 7th. Yes. Uh, So, anyway, this is the day of returns and sales, and uh, I... I've got to admit, I did. Uh, I scored big at uh, Hallmark today, and I got the uh, topless George Takei sword fighting. Oh my! Uh, exactly. Oh my! Do we?
3: Yeah. Okay. I would just say bare chested. He's topless. He's
0: yeah, okay. he's bare backed as well. Oh, I can't say that. Uh, bare armed. Yeah. And he's carrying a sword, and he's threatening William Shatner. And I can't think of a greater gift for <laughs> George Takei <laughs> than reminding himself of the moment that he held william shatner at sword point Point, in the naked time uh uh, so you know this is a great day to go and find i mean they're picked over but you'll be surprised what really cool geeky ornaments are still there surprisingly you know because nothing to me says christmas like the walking dead a lot of walking dead ornaments left over wow so if you want your daryl on a bike I'm pretty sure your local Hallmark store has it at a really good price. Yeah. So anyway, uh, what else was I saying? And if, you, and if you want to get stuff through Amazon because you got Christmas money, uh, if we talk about something on the podcast that you want for yourself and you cannot find at your local brick-and-mortar store, you can get, get pick it up on Amazon. And, of course, we have an Amazon link yep. on each and every Fanboy Planet page. So if you're listening to the podcast on the, on the website, and even if you're not, go to the website. And now, now we've got a search box. That gift guide episode we did a couple of weeks ago.
3: It's all about you, listener. It's all about absolutely.
0: You. Now you can get what you did. Well, you know, I mean, we did get an acknowledgement. I think it was on Instagram, uh-huh. or uh, no, it was on Facebook from uh, from Lewis Stone Cologne. I cannot remember what exactly he picked up that we had recommended. Uh, it, was, it was the uh, the.
3: Universal Studios. Oh, yeah. So, he he got the Monsters Collection. Yeah.
0: And uh, so, there you go. People are listening and going, hey, that's a great idea. So, I hope that we are doing somewhat of a service. And that page is still live, active, every link still good on Fanboy Planet. I think this was...
3: the Debbie got me the Batman uh, animated... Collection. oh wonderful yeah, yeah. you got the pop vinyls yeah they're all i haven't opened it yet but i there's a little window where you can see them at the top yes I, yeah. yeah i know they're i have my, i vinyls. haven't opened them up yet, <laughs> little yet little mini either. pop vinyls yes yeah. yes
0: because you know what we what we all need as fanboys is still more tchotchkes how many different cutesy versions of your favorite Dust hero collectors what <sighs> maybe but they're fun they're good if you have a desk they're yes. nice to have if you're in an office and it's nice like, go, you want to yes. just quietly speak of your personality and you trust that no one will steal it at night? Yeah. That's, then they're perfect. Yeah. Um, so anyway, and of course, we've got an affiliation with Think Geek. And if you would just like to help, uh, you know, defray the cost of hosting Fanboy Planet, you may, of course, donate at PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com. And if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Join the conversation on a page if there's an article you want to comment on. Or you can go to Facebook, at Fanboy Planet. That, that's right. We have the Fanboy Planet Facebook page. Yeah. As well as you can tweet us, at Fanboy Planet. Follow us on Fanboy Planet. Yeah, and you really want to go to Facebook because there's a lot of stuff on the Facebook
3: thing that doesn't make it to the website, too.
0: A few things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah,
3: everything everything that's on the on the website goes to the Facebook. Yes, the, everything that goes that's on the website goes on the Facebook. Yeah. And
0: Instagram has just little things. We find something that's not, maybe not a, a photo that is not okay. Uh, maybe not time to post an article, but, uh, definitely, you know, I, I think actually I didn't, I never wrote up that Julie Andrews was in Aquaman, but did make, I saw it, grabbed a picture and put it up on Instagram. Julie Andrews. Julia, you know, that's exactly what I think every time too. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. Pfft>. Anyway. <laughs> so, I uh, yeah, I mean, what an amazing holiday. See, we'll talk about movies in a bit, but that you realize this is like Sound of Music and My Fair Lady head-to-head all over again. You've got Mary Poppins Returns right. versus Aquaman. Julie Andrews is not Mary Poppins, right? but she is yes. a monster in Aquaman, yes. and she's frightening as hell. Uh, so, you know, it's i it's funny. It's fun. So, let's just uh, talk our, our top story. The last podcast we did, we were talking about TKO Studios. Yep. And it had just come, I think we recorded on a, late on a Wednesday night, and yeah. it was the day after TKO Studios had essentially announced to the world their existence. Yep. They'd kept very quiet with their deals and researching uh, with their creators, and then they just launched four books all at once. And that was Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, you couldn't get at the shops yet, but you can now you can get their books in there and anyway when i reached out to tko studios just to ask and this is very gracious that not of me of them that i <laughs> reached thanks out, for clarifying i reached out to just say hey what is your what is the distribution deal because so that people can get these and they said uh and, and their publicity person said why don't you just talk to z mm-hmm. so Zichun, chun who is the one of the co-founders of and partners in TKO Studios, who was also a writer for Gotham, uh, the TV show, uh, which is about to wrap up its final season, and uh, had written for Once Upon a Time. He's been a television writer for a long time. Uh, He was kind enough to just, they just set up and said, "Uh, Z's going to call you. And so we had a conversation. I apologize for the quality because I discovered, and I think rightfully, this is something that I think Apple does right, uh, that on your iPhone you cannot record directly because, you know, it's privacy. They don't want anybody secretly recording. I, Not that I do, right? But, you know, but they at this point they had said, well, we don't really want to do a Skype call. Rick was at the ready, and it would have sounded much better <laughs> if Rick had been, ru- had been running it. But anyway, we had a great conversation, and once it was extra gracious, I really just had a couple of questions initially about the marketing distribution right? because I was thinking of a larger piece. Uh, Z talked to me for almost a half an hour. So it's a lengthy interview but we talk uh, about the inspiration we talk about uh his book in particular that at that point i had sparked most and i think you had too the fearsome yeah. dr fang so we talked about the yeah, inspiration already bought for it by that. that time yeah. yeah and so it was a great conversation and i am just going to turn that over to you now zichun hey hey how's everyone doing uh, it is just me, but I've got a separate recorder thanks to an iPhone, <laughs> so I want to make sure. How's
2: everybody? How's everybody on that end?
0: Oh, great, great. So thank you for taking the time, Z. Um, I, I, uh, we recommended, in fact, on our podcast last week, uh, Goodnight Paradise, and uh, so I've got to ask, you know, right out, out of the gate, your announcement caught a lot of people by surprise, but... Um, And uh, I have a couple of creator friends who are working with TKO, so that's where I first saw it. And you got a lot of retailers by surprise. So why the secrecy?
1: Well, you know, I think that we wanted to do a lot of things differently. And, you know, one of the things about the binge release strategy was, obviously, that takes a certain amount of time to put together a book. You know, Um, we also wanted to give our creators, you know, I think the proper amount of time to put together a book, meaning, um, you know, when you do 20, 22 pages every 30 days, you know, is that the best work that you're doing? We kind of examined it and said, no, we don't think so. So, you know, we knew that it was going to take us a certain amount of time to put together the book. And during that time, you know, we just wanted to make sure that, um, nobody took, you know, our version of the business model and implemented it for themselves. So, it took a lot of patience. Obviously, it's hard to sit on a secret for you know eighteen months to two years, but you know that was kind of the thinking behind
2: it.
0: Okay, and and what motivated you in the first place to start TKO Studios? You know, you're writing two of the, or writing and co-writing two of the books so far. Um, you know, why not just pitch them to some other publisher?
1: You know, I think that there was... So I I came up through independent film. Um, You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a comic book writer and artist. Uh, Grew up in the, you know, early to mid-90s when Image was starting to take off. And um, really, comics were my first love and also um, really how I learned to tell stories. So I always wanted to do comics. And then in middle school, high school, I started getting into film and TV and... um, honestly, I just kind of took a hard look at it and said, well, you get to try to do one of these really hard things to do. And I picked film and, um, you know, I've always wanted to return to comics. And a couple of years ago, I just felt like the time was that, you know, I was, uh, working on a show called once upon a time. And, um, you know, to be completely honest, I, you know, my, I had a writing partner that i worked with on that particular show we always got paired up and he you know he was he was in his early 50s and he he passed away and we had always talked about how much we loved comics and i thought well you know i there's no you can't wait to really make your dream happen so i just started thinking about it a lot and there was a, a friend and mentor that i had who um one of my best friend's dads and he um kind of, you know, he had always kind of given me guidance and, uh, I pitched him this company and, um, you know, he had some thoughts and, um, he really is our kind of big picture, um, mentor, CEO, you know, business mastermind. And, um, you know, coming out of it, I was thinking, well, I've done independent film before and I've, you know, put together projects with places where you feel like, okay, well, I own a, amount of this but there's no real infrastructure behind the promotion of a movie and I just didn't want to go through that again with comic books so sorry this is a bit of a long answer but no it's the, a great long,
0: answer thank you
1: <laughs> but a long story short you know as I started looking into different publishers and thinking about different ways to put together some of these books I started realizing that I was feeling kind of upset about the fact that, you know, I, I've never, I never believed that I could live long enough that comic books would become cool, that they would dominate popular culture, that in the multiplex, you know, half of the movies were based on comic books. And it kind of upset me that comic book, comic books in print and digital, the actual comic books themselves didn't have the same audience as those movies and TV shows that were adapted from them. So I wanted to try to change that. I wanted to try to come up with a model that would expand the comic book audience, which is why, um, you know, we're doing our binge releasing, our releasing in multiple formats, and offering the first issue free, um, trying to get more people who are maybe curious about comics but um, have not really, who have found that there's kind of a barrier to entry. Um, and we're also going around Diamond, which I think is you know what we're we'll talk about in a little bit. But yes. <laughs> um, you, know, you know this was a strategy, an overall strategy to try to rethink the way that comic books are created, the way that comic books are distributed, the way that they reach their readership.
0: Yeah. So this you know this is interesting. You talked about the binge release, which I I I find fascinating. And when you first announced, you know this is. The way people are reading now, I I do totally get that. But why all the different formats? I do understand digital. Uh, I'm going for the trade paperback, uh, but still doing individual issues, especially if they're all complete. And all seem to be six issues, right?
2: Yeah, six issues, yeah.
0: So, you know, at the moment, it, there's, there's something both traditional and not. So why go for the individual issues if you're already done?
1: Well, here's the thing. I mean, the prevailing principle behind the company is what is best for the readership, right? And so we want to accommodate everybody in whatever format they most enjoy. So for me, you know, and we're looking at the, um, you know, even within the company itself, like for me, I love individual issues. I still have that collector mentality where I love the individual cover art. I love the fact that when I'm holding it, it feels like a comic book. It doesn't feel like anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the idea of people, you know, who are
2: just into design, into, you know, beautiful printing, picking up
1: those six issues. And, you know, one of the reasons why we're doing a box set um, is because, you know, we found that a lot of people who were interested in comics but um, and also had that collector mentality didn't know where to put their individual issues, so to create a box set for them that goes great on a shelf, you know, that was one of the strategies to just try to get people who are um, maybe not hardcore comic book readers, but were really curious. And then within the company, you know, our CEO loves comic books, but he prefers trade paperbacks. And I think that there's a lot of people who, you know, just want to get the story. They want to have a nice, easy thing to carry around with them. And they don't necessarily want to carry around, you know, six individual issues. And they maybe don't want to read digital. And then there are these people like, um, you know, our, our head of um, creator outreach and talent uh, relations, Kara McKinney, who really likes to read things digitally. And, you know, we've just looked at that spectrum and just thought to ourselves, okay, well, how can we actually, how can we satisfy everybody, you know? And how yeah. can we um, try to make it so that um, people can just, consume the books, read the books, and enjoy the books in, in any format that they enjoy, you know? I mean, sometimes I like to go to the movie theater. Sometimes I like to sit on my couch and watch a movie on TV. <laughs> and I think to give people that option, you know, I think is, you know, we, we, we're looking at it not... We think that a, a good decision that benefits the fans is always going to be a good business decision. And so that's kind of how we approached it.
0: Okay, and you did mention, you know, that you are circumventing Diamond Um, Uh so you know I I think as a reader personally who loves going into a comic shop I suspect you do too um, you know and we want to support our local comic shops um, so what are you doing if if they're not in Diamond if you're not in Diamond and retailers are trying to to get the books in stock
1: so here's what we're doing you know I think we had so first of all you know, I grew up going to comic book shops. You know, I grew up outside of Boston. New England Comics, that's where my mom would drop me off uh, after school, and I would sometimes spend hours there, you know, and they had tables to play Magic the Gathering. And, you know, I have a lot of incredible memories of there, about um, of Million Year Picnic, um, of Newberry Comics. And so we always knew that we needed a strategy to... Get our comic books in comic book stores, but I also didn't want to support Diamond because I did feel that as a new publisher, um, it's very hard. They make it very difficult um, for you to be stocked in stores. So,
2: um,
1: here's what we're doing. You know, we had our first foray into speaking to vendors. You know, we had done a certain amount of research beforehand. And we, you know, we tried to shake things up a little bit, but at the end of the day, we found that a lot of vendors wanted to go through the typical um, ordering process of ordering something wholesale. So um, we changed up our deal. We created a position for um, kind of head of vendor relations. And, you know, I think our deal is um, as good, if not better, than Diamond. You know, right now um, we are offering any vendor, regardless of size, there's no kind of brackets Um We're offering them um, 50% off cover price as a wholesale, and also we'll pay for shipping. So um, anybody who wants to do a deal with us, um, we welcome it. Um, You can just email us at sales at tkopresents.com. And, you know, we know that it's going to be a hard process, but also um, we are gearing up with the manpower that we're going to be able to stock in whatever store that wants us. Um, You know, it's very important to us that if a store wants to buy two copies, We'll make that happen. If a store wants to stock you know, 2,000 copies, we can do that as well.
0: Okay, and you said that was sales at TKO Presents?
1: Sales at TKO Presents. Great,
0: thanks. I, I just know I, I have a couple retailer friends who who said, oh, we want them. We well, don't know how, what to do. So I'm sure they've probably figured it out by now, but just in case, I want to send them that. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. I mean, you know, that's interesting. So, you know, are these books creator-owned? I I know it's kind of a weird transition, but I'm thinking about... No,
1: it's a good question, you know. So, um, and it's funny, you're you're asking a lot of the questions that when I first started speaking to our creators, um, you know, those were the questions that they had, you know. So, um, our books are not creator-owned, but we try to build in a lot of the protections that creators have, you know. We match uh, or beat Marvel and DC's page rates across the board. Um, and then we also protect them on the back end They have a significant back end as well um, They also have certain protections In terms of um, sequels And, um, you know Pretty much trying to protect them In a way that So I came up, again, through indie film. I'm a writer myself And mm-hmm. when we made these deals You know, I don't think of it as a contract I think of it as, you know That's our business philosophy So, you know When I drafted these contracts and, you know, me and our CEO sat down with our lawyers and we did them ourselves, and the idea is that these would be the deals that I would want if I was sitting across the table from myself. So um, they're not creator-owned. We think that we are one of the most creator-friendly companies out there in that, um, from a creative standpoint, you know, we will spare no expense for a writer um, to get paid a page rate and a, you know, great part of the back end we'll also pair them with an artist you know and these are artists that maybe cannot uh, afford to take six months off to do a creator own book for um, another company mm-hmm. and then you know the unsung heroes of the comic book industry obviously you know um, having somebody who's incredible colorist because uh, a lot of times with yeah. smaller publishers you see this incredible artwork and and it's not even the colorist's fault you know if you pay a colorist $35 a page, you get what you pay for. That person's going to have to take on any number of books over the course of a month you know, in order to pay for literally like groceries. So we wanted to pay our colorists well. We wanted to pair our artists with the best colorist that they wanted to work with, give that colorist the time that they needed to do their absolute best work. And the same goes for our letterers. And the same goes with our editor-in-chief, Sebastian Grunert. You know, Sebastian is one of the best editors working in the business. And, you know, the fact that we are giving our creators timely feedback is – and, you know, feedback that they find really helpful, I, I can't – I actually could not believe how um, – what the response has been, you know, just to have that kind of creative support for your creators. Um And not have an editor who's stretched really thin um, has been
2: really great.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're planning to keep this at a reasonable. I I mean, I'm trying to come up with a better word than stable of titles, but I guess that's it. You know, uh, a reasonably small, manageable stable.
1: Yeah, I think that here's the thing. I mean, we obviously have plans to expand, but at the same time. Having been through it myself as a, as a writer and a writer director, you know, it doesn't benefit anybody when the company is stretched too thin. So we would only ever take on a new title or expand our line um, beyond, you know, eight to ten uh, titles a year if we truly believe that we could commit to um, promoting the titles, to doing the best possible work, putting the titles together and, you know, really formulating a plan to uh make those titles uh to promote those titles you know as as far and wide as we could. And I mean that's part of our commitment, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: Um it's it's you know, I've heard horror stories of creators who have to beg one of their publishers to um, you know how to retweet them on social media, you know? And The fact that that's, and that costs nothing, it's, you know, one click of a button, and you know, we just want to be a company that is going to fully commit to supporting our creators throughout the entire process, not just the creative process, because, you know, too often obviously, it's too hard, you know, you do two years, you know, a year and a half, two years on a book, and to have it just kind of tossed out there is, I mean, it's not beneficial to the company is not beneficial to the creators. It's not beneficial to the readership.
0: Well, you know, and, and obviously it, it, it's early on, and and it, it, and, I, and I don't want you to name any names, but in your coming up, you know, I have this uh, question of what the criteria are, but I realize the other question is, you know, what happens if you have found a creator team and then it's it's just not working. I
1: mean, you know. I mean, we really we really haven't had that. Happen before? Oh, you mean like um, that the creative team is is not working with each other, or you, you mean like,
0: or you know the other? you brought it up, you know, you're, you're quite right, especially out of DC and, and, and Marvel. I think, but and, and no slagging on them, you know, or 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 even Image to some extent. There are books that just kind of get tossed out there, and sometimes uh-huh. there are teams that work on infamously with Marvel, you know, three or four or five issues that never see the light of day. And right. so, you know that. How can you basically erasing in my mind all the questions of uh, I? How are you avoiding the mistakes of others? I guess is is really the, the the best way to ask that question.
1: Well, part of it is taking the time to put together the team. You know, um, making sure that the team feels comfortable. You know, I've worked in a lot of different ways. You know, I've worked by myself. I've worked with different producers. I've worked myself in television i've worked in writers rooms and so i think that obviously there's some common sense to, to you know like who's going to work well together I, obviously there's you know there's also part of it is just finding out you know or, or looking at who is going to be the best creative fit you know um and personality fit and a lot of that is a lot of that is gut instinct to be completely honest you know um, we haven't had any problems with our first um, two waves of books so far, obviously, um, but also, you know, I think it's the kind of thing where, you know, our CEO talks about this a lot, where, you know, it's one thing to get two AAA creators on a book, right? Um, it's That's obviously very difficult, but at the same time, you know, we weren't, just looking to put the two biggest names together that we could find. You know, we really wanted to look at the actual content of the book, the drive of the story, the tone of the story, and put, you know, best on best, but in a place where it fit, you know. Um, And honestly, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to the creators before we committed to a book, and, you know, I think I have a pretty good crazy radar? I don't, I don't, know. I mean, I think that it's, 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 you know, you can never tell, but you know, we've been, I think it's a combination of luck and really vetting people and, you know, working with people who had good reputations, you know? Um, it's honestly, you spend 18 months on a book, that's a year and a half of your life. It's too long to spend with somebody who's going to be a toxic individual. So, you know, that is something that we look for and we, uh, we value people who are good to work with and
2: good creatively.
0: Yeah, and these are all beautiful books. And I just want to, um, you know, my I, my second favorite so far of your line is, is uh, The Fearsome Dr. Fang. And so I, I guess, cool. you know, back to, and, and I love seven, you know, it's like choo- choosing a favorite child uh, at the moment. I'm sure that is for, for you too, except the two that you have worked on directly probably little more right so what types of uh, you know when when you're curating this this line what types of stories are are you drawn to and you mentioned sequels so uh or sequel rights for uh, protections for creators so you know are you looking to create franchises are you looking to get these out into tv and movies
1: so the when we first started talking about this company you know i looked around and i looked at all these different companies and there's a certain type of company Um, that wants to create books so that they can adapt them to film and television, right? And when you look at those books, they're usually not very good, right? Because they're not looking at what's right in front of them. They're looking at something that is a potential five, ten years down the line. So we always knew that if we were going to do this company, again, it takes a long time to do a comic book, and it takes even longer to do a comic book that you're really proud of. So... Um, We always knew that, first and foremost, these projects had to be incredible comic book stories uh, with incredible artwork. So that was how we first started looking at the creative teams and the stories that we wanted to put together. Um, In terms of what we're looking for, um, we are, as you can probably see, um, we aren't doing any superhero books. Um, The the issue is just you know I love superhero comics. I grew up reading superhero comics, but um, there's just so much of it out mm-hmm. there, and I doesn't they don't we don't I didn't feel that we needed another publisher to make superhero books. You know, there's plenty of venues for that type of storytelling. So um, we are looking for new, inventive takes on established genres. So that's why we're doing action adventure, western, mystery, sci-fi, mm-hmm. fantasy. But they always kind of have to have a twist on it. So, like, in Goodnight Paradise, you know, you've seen a murder mystery before. But, you know, I had never seen one that took place in the homeless population in Venice, California, and downtown L.A. And it was something that I was always kind of interested in because you you drive through these places and you see these people. And, you know, I wanted to find out more about how they got there and what that community was like. So,
0: Did, did Josh come you to know, you with you, that?
1: Josh came to us with this, and this was something that I think, you know, it was, I just could see it, you know, when he came in and he pitched it to me, it was like, it it was the first project that we actually signed on to do, and he had lived with the story for a number of years, and a few publishers were, I think, nervous about the way that the book was, you know, that, you know, first of all, some publishers wanted to kind of hedge their bets, they wanted to do a a four issue miniseries and Josh, it's really hard to really get into this type of story with 88 pages, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I think what was attractive to Josh about our company was that first off, we were going to pair him with the person he wanted, Alberto pay Alberto, a good page rate and also get a great colorist and also give him the canvas that we thought was necessary in order to tell this story. Um, But um, but going back to, you know, what we're looking for, yeah, so new takes on established genres, but, you know, beyond that, it really has to be a character story. It needs to have, um, it has to have heart to it, and it has to have an emotional core. So those are the, those are really the things that we look at. Um, And, you know, obviously there's not, it's not an exact science when you're looking at pitches, but, you know, we were... Part of it is also approaching creators who are known for that type of work. Um, So that makes it a little bit easier in that when we first started, I mean, I was just approaching creators that I was fans of and that I knew could tell that type of story and had an experience telling that type of story.
0: Makes sense. Uh, You know, so, I, yeah, I I, I feel like... uh, and you've got this Western Seven Deadly Sins with maybe a you know I, I, I'll admit I've I've read the first issues of everything I haven't read further because I as I said I, I want to support my retailers and I told my yep. local comic shop these are the books I want um, they're all top notch they're fantastic I I did think one of the things I said about the fearsome Doctor Fang is uh, I think this came out two weeks after. We're less than two weeks after Marvel announced they're going to do Shang-Chi, and I thought, this is terrific. You you say you got the twist, and I'm sure some of this is on you, of uh, taking this pulpy trope, I guess, you know, from Sax Romer to some extent, and becoming something so unique, and it's the way to update it, I mean, did you, because I want to focus on your work a little bit, you know, <laughs> did you, you know, what did you feel to to, to, to drive what happens in, in, with Dr. Fang, to create that character?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that when, you know, when you're growing up as a, a Chinese-American kid, you know, you're exposed to a lot of different stories, and, you know, I came up through reading comics, so, you know, one of the things that You would see on the shelves, you know, whether it's at comic book conventions or, you know, you see these pulpy novels, you know, and
2: uh, the Chinese villain is always portrayed in a certain way.
1: And, you know, it took a long time to change that. And I think that, you know, there's still this this story kind of grew out of me and my co-writers desire to turn that, you know, Fu Manchu yellow peril paradigm on its head. You know, and do it in a really fun way. Not do it in a didactic way. Do it in a way where it was like, okay, you're getting, you're you're getting the kind of subversive element of it, but you're also having a hell of a lot of fun. You know, we always wanted it to feel like Indiana Jones, you know, or yeah. the Mummy, the you know, the original, the original one. Um, and uh, yeah, and that was part of the reason why we wanted to uh, bring on Dan McDate as well, because you know, there's something that's about his artwork that is just so um it's epic but it's also really really fun and funny and Dan's a really funny guy um and we wanted to pair him with somebody who could really do those kind of pulpy uh pulpy cover uh, pulpy colors that were also a little bit updated for the modern times so that's why we brought on Danielle Amiwa um, who was you know one of our incredible colorists on that book
0: yeah, it's, it's beautiful. And all, all four titles so far, and then there's another run of four. I mean, each first issue is to, so just, it's gripping. You're drawn in it, you, to, like, I, I'm not someone normally who goes, Oh, I, I've got to read this Western, but I've got to read this Western, you know, uh, because of how, how well everything's laid out. And, and you said you've got another wave of four coming in four months, five months. Uh, it'll
1: be about five months, I think. Okay. It'll be about five months, yeah. Okay, um, cool. So, um, yeah, well, um, I need to pop off right now, but thank you so much. I, I think time. you did. Thank great.
0: you so much for taking this much time. I really appreciate the conversation. Oh, I of look course. forward to, the, to all the books and the next wave and success for this company. Thank you, Z. Awesome.
1: Thank you so much. Take
2: care.
0: Once again, thank you, and of course, uh, if you haven't already, because we recommended a couple of weeks ago, "Good Night Paradise" by mm-hmm. Josh Dysart. I re- absolutely recommend the fearsome Doctor Fang. Yep. Actually, I recommend them all. And in the next wave coming out, you've, they've got a book from Jeff Lemire coming, yeah. and they've got uh, is it four more books or is it six? Four, four, I think four more titles in this next wave. And right. Then there's gonna, right. You know, which is another smart thing. They're just going to do these yeah. waves of solid, solid books. And Andy Belanger, who's been a, a friend of family of for a long time, he was the artist on Kill Shakespeare. He's in the second wave as oh, well. Cool. So in the interview, I referenced you know, I knew a couple of creators, and he was one too. Very exciting, you know, that people that I know have been working and deserve. They're kind of, you know, really to be unbound with their creative chops. That's what's happening with with uh, TKO Studios. So, I think I can say I've managed to pick up the trades today. And I have not had a chance to read past issue one of either of the ones that I was most interested in. I'm super excited to read them tonight. But we won't get... They're not my picks because, you know, we already did recommend yeah. them. Yeah. So, let us uh, talk a little bit of comics, which is... Uh, Today, an interesting for our international listeners, and I know we have some that uh, Titan Books lost the license to DC Universe. The last few uh, DC like because they reprint and more of a magazine right. style on, that uh, in the UK those uh, the December same, issues will the same be the last
3: as Marvel they reprint in a different right. format. Right, right,
0: yeah. and so and then they I, I know they do produce their own. It is interesting to me because when. You've been over in London and and I, Ireland as well. That yep. you go into the comic shops, the American comics are there. Yep. So I don't know what purpose that's other than newsstands, which are a much stronger format, uh, a stronger distribution method in the UK than they are in. What
3: was cool was going to Germany America. and seeing American comics in German. Like I still remember the the uh, there was a Submariner uh, book that's like I can't read it. <laughs>
0: I, as a kid, I used to love getting international editions and just, I think, I think I had something in Turkish of all, no, Greek. Oh. Someone brought back a Greek, uh, 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 a, so American comic. Up a story to go along with it? In Greek. Because what else could I do? Yeah. You know, it was just kind of, I was like nine or 10 and it was mm-hmm. just cool to have, you know, and I had a, a couple of Spanish language books and I did one of my favorite, I had a Spanish, uh, an edition of Mad from Mexico and it had reprinted. Some things uh-huh. that I had in English, so I actually learned a few words because I had the original story, like Don Martin things, yeah. and Dave Berg, and then in a horrible garage sale accident, which has scarred me ever since. Uh, that my 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 parents grabbed a stack of comics out of my room, and that included my Spanish language man, oh. and I didn't discover it until I saw someone walking away from the from the garage sale with it.
3: I think it's really cool is when people get a hold when kids get a hold of uh, uh, Japanese manga mm-hmm. and don't realize that it's backwards.
0: I remember that at age six, somebody <laughs> trying put, to put together somebody sword. put one on my desk at school when I was six because so they knew I was into comics and I, like, right. I did I read the whole thing backwards. Read. I looked at the pictures backwards yes. so, and then I realized oh, but anyway. Uh, so a new licensor will pick them up, but it, as I say, you know, and, and again, someone with the perspective is since these comics are getting imported anyway i don't know what the strength is other than like in america doing the walmart uh 100 page spectaculars i guess yeah and marvel experimenting with archie Digest. archie is publishing digests for marvel so that uh, the reprints can show up there is the
3: walmart thing still going on yeah okay
0: yeah i think they're up to issue 6 huh. so i mean the goal was i think it's a 10 part story for each for each title uh-huh. that's original to it I am getting frustrated that I can't find them, <laughs> oh. but when i go when I remember that I want to go into into Walmart but i don't see any of them like I know that I think the Teen Titans one was supposed to be rarer, and they'd done a swamp thing Halloween special could not find them, but I haven't seen any of them on the in, in a Walmart yet, mm-hmm. so I'm just anxious for the I figure inevitable trade paperback like Walmart right. Super special that'll be at the retailers that I go to on a okay. regular basis It'll be an omnibus edition. Okay, why not? I'm <laughs> fine with that. Anyway, uh, also, and this is just interesting because I thought they were doing really solid figures. Uh, Mattel lost a significant chunk of the DC universe. Oh, yeah. So uh, I think they still have DC superhero girls because that, that line's been doing really well. But it's going to spin masters. And uh, and I'm sorry to go off to the side on toys a little bit, but it is, you know, of, of collectibles. I can't think of any really great I can't think of what line Spin Masters do. I
3: know I've probably It's a familiar
0: title. I I we probably both go, "Oh yeah, if we If we saw them." Yeah. Right. So but what is interesting is that that was a big enough story that Mattel's stock dropped on Monday. Ooh. So, yeah. I mean but let's make sure the Spin Master is right, you know, is everybody's stock dropped? Yeah. on monday so yes. maybe it's not cause and effect but i don't know i mean mattel still has uh you know they've got hot wheels doing well barbie doing well i don't
2: know who's doing air the... hogs let's see
0: oh i remember those
3: yeah um it's a lot etch-a-sketch is that is this all spin master yeah it is yeah
2: yeah, yeah.
3: um there's a lot of stuff uh paw patrol rusty rivets
0: <laughs> oh okay
3: tech deck it's like that's the, what i know because my brother the, was
0: into tech deck right and my son was briefly so twisty pets nope i don't know so uh you know but anyway, anyway they're gonna start doing i guess from the article i read it sounds like they're gonna start doing action figures oh they've got there's there's a knockoff of you, you've seen the
3: have you seen the ugly ugly doll movie trailer yes 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 i have yes so they've the Spin Master has
0: Fugler. Uh, I've seen Fugler. I don't understand. Funny, Fuggler. ugly monster. Oh no, I've seen them. Yeah. I've seen them in the stores. Yeah, just like Ugly Doll. I don't understand.
3: Yes, you know. I. I but you know, I. I. It's not targeted at me, right? The, oh that no, movie no, is no like, absolutely. But I do like the. Um, we are happy with our imperfections. Message. Sure, but
0: but. But we're jumping ahead to movies, yeah. And and sorry, yes, no, no, no. I mean, it's okay because I, I was reflecting again. You know, we were who were we just talking to about this? Well, you know, the last time we were talking to somebody about at, at Seven Stars about the podcast being these are these are the random conversations you overhear in a comic shop. Yes, only right. it's it only it's Rick Breschneider's coffee table uh, or kitchen table, and uh, yeah, I know I'm all for the message. There are plenty of places to give it, but the way they they put the message is that they are they're still valuing beauty. It's not so much... It, it. The trailer makes me feel it's not so much that... It's good that they're happy, that everybody's happy the way they are. Uh-huh. But, but it feels more to me almost like an Adams Family, that this is beautiful. Why do the other people think that what they are is beautiful? I, it, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm well, not expressing what... Other than I think that it's following the Angry Birds movie model, which is throw a bunch of money at voices... Yeah. That you recognize, yeah. so that you think, "Oh, this stand-up is there." And I tried watching the Angry Birds movie accidentally, <laughs> and I mean, it, it came on and I was like, "All right, I'm going to." There was nothing about it that made me laugh, right. you know. And so, and you're right. Look, the dolls. I don't. I, I'm fine, anybody, but I just don't know why all these toys. I blame Reagan. <laughs> That'll get some angry letters. Nice. No, because Reagan's the guy that took away that rule that and that's what gave us G.I. Joe and Transformers animated series took away the rule that you couldn't that you weren't supposed to turn toys into Into media into media because there had been that like in the late 60s Hot Wheels had a a show Uh and it's different if it's like you created a cartoon and then someone did figures or toys out of the cartoon but He-Man Transformers and G.I. Joe were definitely a... They planned the toy first. Oh, yeah. They got someone on board to do totally the cartoon. Calculated. Yeah. And yeah. and I think that this is what we see now is things like Angry Birds and Ugly Dolls. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Star Wars. Other uh, way around. <laughs> I knew... Come on, is we it? all know that is story. Is it really? <laughs> okay. At least the first one. Yes. He, you know, I he gets a bad rap for, for that and some of it's valid. But there's a reason he got the toy to keep the toy rights right, because right. nobody saw the value. No, I know. nobody saw was the value. A brilliant, brilliant man. You know, so for that, for that move. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's let's turn to 2019. This one, I'm not even sure I, I have an answer. But I thought this is an end of the year episode. You should say that. Uh, you should ask this question: What comics are you looking forward to in the next year? And I, I just don't. I don't have a good answer. I'm i i not because i don't love comics
3: i don't want to answer
0: this question until after we do what's in the bag okay (laughs) um let's reverse it then what was your uh let me uh what was your favorite comic of last year of 2018 oh boy
3: that's a tough one i would say uh i'm I'm spacing on it it was one of the alred um produced ones and a silver surfer Well, Silver Surfer was just consistent all all through. There was another one that he did, and I'm spacing on it. This is bad. This is bad radio. Go ahead.
0: What's yours? Well, I would go with The Immortal Hulk. It was the biggest surprise for me. I would agree. That's a great Because you could take that out, and I, again, was explaining to somebody recently that what— I I think it was probably telling Luke, because he had not read Avengers No Surrender. And even though Immortal Hulk— Or that this incarnation of Hulk showed up that was introduced in there. Immortal Hulk is exactly what a mainstream superhero book should be as far as accessibility. Nothing about that book required that you had read No Surrender, even though they created a lot of background and psychological Or really
3: any prior Hulk.
0: No, because everybody at this point knows the Hulk. Right. To have created this very scary, and then when they bring in... Other characters like Sasquatch and they bring in Sword uh, up there and the new Alpha Flight. Alpha Flight. They're explained and self-contained well enough that it's just – it is a terrific book. And and the fact
3: fact that if you do know the Hulk, right, even if you know it from the TV series, right, part of the specialness of this book is it's not that Hulk and it's supposed to be shocking and it's supposed to be different and you're supposed to be surprised by the way he acts while he talks – his motivation,
0: and I can't see Mark Ruffalo doing this. But if, like, if Guillermo del Toro's television mm. series version of the Hulk had taken off, uh-huh. and I, I, I speak now saying I have no idea what his vision was—pure speculation. Was. speculation. I don't, I don't know anybody who's seen what he was working on, right? Uh, because it died, you know, as a concept, right? but i could easily imagine this being the take true something terrifying yet reassuring that there's almost a morality but it's a hulk outside of yeah. what we consider more he'll do the right thing for banner when he wants to mm-hmm. and there are and it is a, it is a scary book it is hulk as a horror character and yet I find it the most immensely satisfying Hulk that I have read in a long time. And I go, I weave in and out of Hulk. You know, it's like it, gone away for a while. I read Mark Waid's uh, and then I can't remember who had it previously. Um, and I was reading Totally Awesome Hulk and, you know, which was Amadeus Cho, I realized. But right. still, to to go back and bring Bruce Banner back this way, this was a chilling and yet perfectly logical evolution from what has been built before. So I would say this that was one of my favorite books of two thousand eighteen. I'll give it that. I will give you another one
3: from two thousand eighteen. Uh and it was I think it actually started in seventeen, but it it carried through. That was the superior Iron Man with Doctor Doom did you love With Doctor Doom as uh as
0: uh, looking No f- infamous Iron Man.
3: Infamous, right, right, right. It was along the lines of the superior right, Spider Man. Right. Which is back. Right, right, I know. Uh but uh it was Doctor Doom looking for his, uh, you know, redemption. It's his redemption story and how hard that is given his reputation.
0: Which I just, in uh, Marvel Cinema, uh, MCU, Marvel Comics Unlimited, mm-hmm. just read the two in one annual that kind of that brought yes. the thing with him. Uh huh. And I would say that is a runner up for me as I, I hadn't. I guess it, it went into 2018 because you're right. It started yeah. in 2017. It didn't get to go as long as I wanted it to because of, again, these things get editorially right. driven and changes. Well, the big
3: big events happen and they got to have the characters switch around. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Derek. Every time a bell rings.
0: Uh yeah okay anyway I would I would agree with that so let's go to what's you know what your top pick of the week is or of the last two weeks I was because I okay. unfortunately had a stack of
3: so that's that's a good segue because let me explain my awkwardness in that so well, please explain your awkwardness please explain your awkwardness they never should, ending should goal? we have
0: guest speaker Debbie Brett Schneider in <laughs> to explain your soon. awkwardness
3: <laughs> she may be here soon so um last week uh there was the uh, the Fantastic Four wedding special which yes. wasn't special and <laughs> didn't have the wedding in it. But uh, that is this a- week we have the special 650th issue. Again, they're counting all the reboots and renumbering and stuff. This is actually the current run of Fantastic 4 issue number 5. And it is it is uh, I think the first time we'll have had a- opportunity to comment on the Stanley Banner covers um with where the title of the book is at the bottom
0: I was posing as if somehow someone was looking at me yes. taking a picture <laughs> but I have it as well yes
3: um this book and this is both an example of a carryover example of what I talked about last time with er- editorial foolishness because last la- the issue that I had last week had a girl's night out the the, the girls go out for the mm-hmm. brid- bridal party it's repeated in here they do. They go out again <laughs> in this book. Luckily, it's not the focus of the short story. This is like I think it's three, maybe four, if you count the continuing overarching story. But but they do it again, and it's just like nobody is talking. Nobody's coordinating this. Um, however, this uh, this is a eight dollar book. Um, it is uh, it is a beautiful book it's got um adam hughes it's got uh, the alreds uh do a, a particularly nice job of retelling the fantastic four origin from kind of ben and sue's point of view mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and i'm not going to spoil too much there is a there is a wonderful adam hughes full page
0: i, just, I saw i just flipped um, past that,
3: yeah uh, picture of the girls out uh and you've got um with the alred alred drawing of of uh of the fantastic four origin he he takes you know we've we've all read this book over and over again you know the the fantastic four issue number one but when you get to the pant the pages that you know those pages from when kirby drew them originally and then you've got alred doing it and it's like it's fresh it's not new but it's fresh and it's interesting and because the story is coming at it from a Slightly different angle. It's lovely. Um, we have uh, we have a wedding in this, so this is actually the wedding book, and it does got get my what you re- wanted. It is my recommendation. Um, you know, don't 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 hurt yourself looking for the one that came out last week. Uh, but this one is really nice, and this one does lead into something I'm particularly excited about, which is. Doctor Doom is back,
0: and Galactus is back,
3: and that's not a secret. Those have been, those have been right. telegraphed all right. over the and place. I had uh, to of this. clarify
0: for people. Even though it says six hundred fiftieth issue, Spectacular, it is under the current alternate universe uh, numbering, Fantastic Four number five.
3: Yes, that's Again. I
0: yeah I did yeah. yeah. So, so I just want to make sure that people getting excited, listening to this, know exactly. So what you're doing.
3: good drawing, good writing. Good character development in this um and and just uh, it's uniformly it's a beautifully drawn yeah. book
0: and uh you know uh the controversy this week really was it also um we get to see uh for i think the third time the things ever loving Aunt petunia, yes, and she is of a different age than she was. Yeah, she was young before, wasn't she? John Byrne, when they finally right, it, made right. her much younger. And so that's been the stupid controversy. I'm going to call it out whenever people are just trying to get clickbait, that that was the stupid controversy. Oh, they've retconned. I'm like, yeah. you know what? Here's the other dirty secret about, after Secret Wars, this is a whole new Earth. Yes. This is like Crisis on Infinite Earth, but Marvel somehow managed to convince people it wasn't. It was yes. okay, so there we go. My top pick this week, and it might have come out last week. I really don't know because my stacks got confused. Uh, I hate it when that happens. I, maybe that's the title, 2018. My stacks got, got confused. confused. Uh, is Aquaman number 43? The timing for an Aquaman is fantastic. Kelly Sue DeConnick, who of really is, I would say, largely the person responsible for Captain Marvel from Marvel. Becoming a fan favorite character, why you're going to see that film in a few months mm-hmm. is because of the work that Kelly Sue DeConnick did. She's taking over Aquaman, so this is truly a jumping on point. That's
3: a great cover because it's it's it looks like the water splashing up behind him scene... That we've already seen.
0: Well, this is, uh, yeah, it's his aerial pose. He is the little mermaid. <laughs> he wants to be part of your world. But it's also <laughs> look done. You this in, stuff it, isn't, it, isn't it neat. <laughs> I am the one without wings on my feet. Ah. Okay, anyway, uh, yeah, that, anyway, that uh, it also is, you know, the, but if you look at it and you go, oh, it, it, maybe it's Jason Momoa, you know, the blonde highlights are mm-hmm. a little heavy. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's, you know, but that's okay. We'll talk about Aquaman in a little bit. But uh, the movie, but as far as this is perfect timing, they've got the number one movie in the world. They released a perfect jumping on point. What's it look like inside? It looks beautiful. And he's got a
3: huge part one up in the upper right hand side of this.
0: Robson Rocha. I don't know these artists. I've never encountered them before. I may have, but I didn't realize that. Robson Rocha is the penciler. Daniel Henriquez is the inker. Sonny Cho is the colorist. Clayton Cowles is the letterer. So I want to give everybody uh, credit here. It's just a beautiful. It, it's uh, it reminds me it's a lot of, of my favorite, uh, one of my growing favorite artists that I was lucky Ooh, enough. that's a nice oh. Yeah, to to uh, speak with a couple of years ago at Comic Con, Dan Mora, who works largely for Boom and did uh, la- last week's uh, Klaus, the Klaus special uh-huh. from Grant Morrison and Dan Mora. It reminds me a lot of that art, and I love that. There's a storybook feel, like classic storybook illustration. Beautifully, just be, and then but seriously, of course, an entire movie ad in the middle. But, um, of course. But I'm just excited about a new jumping on point for people right. because I think it will drive a few, the movie is going to drive a few people to the shops. And I think as we were talking about TKS Studios, we talked about this thing is look, right. whether or not you have a, a, a transmedia plan, the reality is your comics aren't going to sell if if a retailer can't sell them right and this is a perfect opportunity for someone to go into a shop and a retailer is going to be able to say hey you might want to check this out
3: i think it's a good it's a good thing for the company to do for the retailers because it's, it's the opportunity not so much for the company because they're you know making money other ways but the, for the retailer it's the payoff for them.
0: Well, you know that is the weird thing. Like I, I would say uh, the larger company, Warner Brothers, uh-huh. makes money off Aquaman. Yeah, DC doesn't necessarily sure. Sure. from the movie side, but you know they still are the keepers of. And yes. if their books sell better, that's great. Yep. So, and I'm all for it. And I love Kelly Sue DeConnick's writing. So I'm very excited that this is uh, happening for her. Shall we talk movies? We should. Do you need to pause? <coughs> That was perfectly timed, and I had no idea. Anyway, is, is that champagne? That's, like, it's it's after,
3: what is it, after 4?
0: Uh, it is. It's
3: 4.24. 4.24, so it's time to pop the
0: champagne. Okay, well,
3: whoo-hoo! That's uh, the we do it here <laughs> at the Bread Cave.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Um, and that's why they don't stumble out in the daylight. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's talk movies. I This, what a... We, you were just saying we were talking about what had we seen, and so you find you saw into the Spider Verse. I did, and the only reason I think I managed to see fit that in was because I got an early screening yeah. through PlayStation of yeah. all things. Um, and then you saw. All right, go ahead, and uh, you saw Mary Poppins Returns, which I have not. Yes, and I've seen Aquaman, which I do not think from your implication that you had. At the same time, we have Bumblebee, which people like. This is the weird Christmas thing of there. Was- All you had to do is get rid of Michael Bay, and you get a,
3: you get a successful. Yeah, he's an executive research. producer, and yeah.
0: that takes care of it. Yeah, absolutely. So,
3: happy New Year! Your 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 flute of champagne. This there. is
0: this is our New Year's episode. Yes, yes, I guess. Woohoo! Anybody else? No, just me. All right, you bye. and Debbie. Okay, well uh, then I'll I'll, I'll vamp until she can come over and clink. Uh, so anyway, yep, there we go. There we go. I hope that was picked up. And, uh, ooh, the bubbles tickled my nose. Ah. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, the things that, the things that most tie into the fanboy planet podcast I say, would be into the spider Verse. We talk, I, yes. I try to review it. You, I think you were as uh, – now that you've seen it, you share my enthusiasm for I'll this I'll go see film. that again at a drop of a hat. Yeah. Um, nope. Nobody has a hat to drop. And uh, then, of course, Aquaman, the movie that I have waited for since I was six years old, which I would just – I haven't had a chance to write a review but would say that if you have read Aquaman comics in the last 30 years with one run exception – Everything you know about Aquaman is in that movie, which is at once its most most delirious strength and its most delirious weakness. Mm. That everything is in it, except for Sean McLaughlin's run from 1991 to 1992. That it was, which is a more quiet, uh, bombastic, emotional <laughs> storyline, as opposed to. Everything that Jeff Johns has been doing with the Seven Kingdoms and throwing that in, every little piece, even Topo, for God's sake, is in there. And and it is also, and I will argue that Hyper Time, this is the first introduction of Hyper Time into the DC, what wow. is it, called Worlds of DC, because they acknowledge the Justice League happened, sort of. But in a way that says, wait a minute, what Aquaman knew in Justice League about Atlantis is very different, uh-huh. or seems to be, than what he knows in Aquaman. And Justice League happened in the past. There's an early on reference to, oh, you know, you you fought against Steppenwolf. And so I'm like, okay. And it has nothing to do with this movie at all. Right. But it, it just changes things. I thought... In, in hindsight, and this is no spoiler, this is just a reality of casting, like I realized watching, once again, went, Patrick Wilson looks like someone I would have cast when I was a kid as Aquaman because he's the typical, he's pale, blonde, reasonable shape, you know, could have worn the suit. He's playing Orm. He's playing Ocean Master. Uh-huh. Uh, they give a reason for why he calls himself Ocean Master, which he doesn't really quite in the film, but it's – Mentioned, uh, and then that in Peter David's run, Orm had been biracial. He was right, half Atlantean and half Inuit, I think. Uh, and so that they flipped the casting a little bit by making the, you know, by giving Jason Momoa Polynesian half, and he does embraced the biracial. I love that this is the world we're in now. That the what right. we would have once upon a time considered the traditional cinematic hero is now the villain but without he is a villain that has a motivation and you can understand him like dr doom like uh like killmonger in black panther Mm -hmm. um that this is it's opening a door to oh my gosh we're going to have like actually not one dimensional villains while at the same time the movie is so overstuffed they're really all like one and a half dimensions but it was fun I won't spoil. There were a couple of things where I went, uh, even I was rolling my eyes. And then I went, but there's Topo. Uh, (laughs) So it doesn't play, uh, for those that are looking for it, he does not play a large, crucial role. The uh, intelligent octopus is not uh, that crucial to the film, but fun to have. Willem Dafoe is Volko. Not my vision of Volko because he's hard and strong. But, you know, they're, they're broad strokes, but they're moral. You know and no. it's a clear clear thing and and I just want more action figures that's what I felt walking I was like I want more and and sets up a sequel so brilliantly that it in one of the there's a brief scene with a character I was like well if people don't know that that character's important to the comics you know it just goes oh it's an interesting scene and you know but it's gonna it's going to roll off and do an Aquaman 2 if it goes, I, which I think it's going to because I think it is the number one movie in the yeah. world right now. Yeah. So, so who did, would have
3: thought that? Was there an after
0: credit scene? Yeah. Okay. That sets up the sequel. That sets up the sequel. Okay. So I, I was happy. It,
3: it, it's it, funny. When you go to movies now, are you always checking to see if there's an after credit scene? I am.
0: I mean, there was a great reward for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. You know, yes.
3: and that's uh, – uh, There isn't one for Mary
0: Poppins? thank you, but I'll probably still listen to the score. But,
3: but that's exactly what I went to the, I went to the web to see is there, and they say there's not, but you really should stay and listen to the music.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, and there's, credits. you know, which is the same thing with Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph rakes the internet. There is a, an after credit scene for that, which doesn't matter, Yeah, you know, but it's fun. So I the guess
3: Pixar ones always. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they use, just, they're just fun.
0: Yeah. So, uh, And then Bumblebee. I don't think either one of us have seen Bumblebee yet. So ironically, I'd finally given up on Transformers, and then they finally made a Transformers movie that would probably be one I'd want to see. Yes. And they now say that uh, out of this they're trying to crack an Optimus Prime solo film, and they don't really know how to do it. And and I think when they first announced (laughs) Bumblebee, my feeling was – Prime B. Let's make this – we'll just make it a soft reboot – yeah. Let's pretend that the Michael Bay, even the Michael Bay, I think is still the producer. Let's pretend he's not, those movies didn't happen. Yeah. And let's just move forward from there. And with arguably one of the more fun and, uh, loved character, uh, transformers. And I still say, you know, emotionally I have no connection. I go, you know, bumblebee from the get go is to be, be been Herbie fully transformed. Yeah. But, uh, I do credit by the way I believe that was Neil Kaplan uh, voice actor who gave me that line so I've, I've got to you know raise and say that that was a great title. that was a great title for it so you know because I realized it was it's like <laughs> this is being set up like a herbie movie and you know so anyway he had the better title so I'll do credit to you Neil thank you and uh one of the things before we go into most uh, well, anticipated movies for 2019 did you watch the Hellboy trailer I did What'd you think? I liked it. I'm I'm not I'm not a hater on this one. No, I'm not a hater on it. I, I, I've seen some
3: haters. Though. Oh,
0: I've seen. Oh, I'm I'm with you. I think it's interesting because I picked up last week the Hellboy Winter Special and read it this uh-huh. morning, and I and I think that the thing is that everybody is a hater. And I understand. I don't want to take away their, one, we were promised a much darker, that that was the reason why you were getting an entire cast reboot and so forth. Right. And really also you're getting a budget cut because all these actors are now much cheaper. Yes. But, uh, and they're saying, oh, it's still comedic, which I think some of Guillermo del Toro's films uh, of the two were, some portions of it were very comedic. Yeah. And to me, I think, I do think of Hellboy's, the character's sense of humor is one of the things that attracted me. You know, it's a horror comedy, it, 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 but the action is, is primary. Hellboy is his comic line is usually I'm tired of this. You
3: know, it's yeah. like, it's, uh, okay. Yeah, but
0: after it. reading the winter special, what I, what I realized is, and I do love Hellboy, and I haven't, I am not a completist. I haven't read all of it. I'm going to just sock away time and money. Uh, to pick up the Omnibuses and then read them back again. What did I miss? I had, yeah. you know, for good, the first five years or so, I had everything. And then as has happened, with you know, everything falls away. So if I have it in one, on one shelf together, You don't have to read BPRD
3: because that goes on forever.
0: Hey, and I'm sure it's good stuff. And I've read some yeah. of BPRD. No, no, no. And, I'm just and saying. And it's, Josh it's Dysart wrote some story. of it too. It's a yeah. different story though. Yeah. But what I realized reading the Winter Special is it's not, it's not a particularly accessible mythos. Like, you love the figure. Yeah. You love the character. You love the idea of the characters around it. Like, supposedly, though it's not in the trailer, Lobster Johnson uh-huh. is somewhere in the movie. Oh. And there's a Lobster Johnson story in the Winter Special. Uh-huh. But if you did not already know everything there was to know about Lobster Johnson, that story in the special makes no damn no, sense. No. Even the Hellboy-specific story in the winter special it's fun it's okay i knew that it was making reference to earlier to a couple of earlier stories not just because he recognizes an opponent Uh but i went oh yeah that goes back to i think the plague of frogs storyline but if you haven't read a plague of frogs the why hellboy's character why he's so nervous and tense through that story makes no sense yeah because I think from a comic book perspective, it has now become this, you are a Hellboy fan and that's it. You know, you know it. So a film, reality, how many years has it been, which I, may 2019 be the year that we finally acknowledge that it that this century has been almost two decades old instead of one decade yes. old. Yes. It's been at least 10 years, I think, since the Golden Army. Oh, at least. And that's crazy yeah. to me because it feels like that was just a couple of years ago. Yeah. But this is a whole new generation coming back in of of moviegoers, not readers necessarily, although I would love that too because you can get these Omnibus editions and that's fantastic because it's some beautiful stuff. But people like my kids, yeah, kids like my son. So he's, he's almost 15. He saw that trailer, loved it. He's all up for 2008, 10 years. It's been 10 years. Yeah. Okay. So he saw that trailer. He loved it. He was fine. He doesn't have this deeper sense of Hellboy. He's read a couple of stories. That's their audience. That's who they've got to reach because yeah. those are the kids going to – Sure. Going to, those are the people going to that kind of movie. Yeah. And then there's us. And and so I was fine with it. And in some sense, too, you throw – even though I don't think he's recognizable, I, I'm fine with this portrayal. David Harbour – those kids, by the way, are watching Stranger Things, and so they're gonna go and see that you know, they might go see because of David Harbour. They might go see go see it. My disappointment with the trailer is you bothered to cast Mia Mila Jovovich uh-huh. as the Blood Queen, mm-hmm. and her presence is there, she shows up a couple times, but there's nothing inherently scary or interesting about the way she's portrayed. Some of the criticism I saw online was: "This looks like a studio cut trailer, desperate to get everybody in." It feels like a, like a Thor ragged a rock. A hail, a- hail Mary. Let's, let's, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So were the Suicide Squad trailers? And, yeah. Oh, look how that turned out. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's all right. That's all right. Things will be okay. I know that there are some listeners we have who love Suicide Those Squad, were and incredibly they're incredibly well cut trailers.
3: They
2: were
0: amazingly well cut trailers. So the, you know
3: the, the punctuation of the the. The I bullet know. shells hitting the ground in time with the music was.
0: You know what? I feel like when we talk about the Suicide Squad trailer, it's almost like the Three Stooges doing Niagara Falls <laughs> because we have to always say, my God, the way that was cut. You know, it it was. Uh, it, yeah. and, and so, yeah, this is a studio thing. I don't think that the film, that the trailer for Hellboy necessarily uh, reflects uh, what it's going to be. I am sorry that they seem to have lost the subtitle when it was first announced that it was Hellboy Rise of the Blood Queen. And so that would have given a better, you know it's okay. It looks fun. Yeah. But we'll see. when we go to 2019, I think I'm even losing track of some of the superhero oh, yeah. movies we're going to see starting in February. I think we get Captain Marvel, then we get Shazam, then we get Hellboy or maybe Hellboy and Shazam or Flip because I think they moved Shazam into April when it was originally March. Yeah, I don't know. And then at the end of April we get Avengers Endgame. And then uh, what else is happening? Oh, Spider-Man Far From Home. And I'm sure that there are other things I'm forgetting. There's got to be uh, – I think there's an X-Men movie coming up. Not that I necessarily care anymore. <laughs> but I think Dark Phoenix is going to happen and New Mutants is supposed to happen. I think New Mutants is supposed to happen. Well, I mean, they're both in the hopper, but I don't know if when they're supposed to come. And then, you know, then there's eventually next Christmas we're going to get episode nine of Star Wars. And I'm sure there's more. Oh, and we were just mentioning one that you were looking forward to in 2019, Alita Battle Angel, which is based on a manga. So, uh, which I think is reverse, Battle Angel Alita, right? Is that the title of the... Manga? No, it's Alita colon Battle Angel. Okay, so it stays I'm the same sure way. I'm sure it is. I haven't read it yet. It's in my stack. Um, so we're looking forward to that one, I think. That's been Robert Rodriguez directing with James Cameron producing. If nothing else, that's going to be fascinating in a visual sense. Um, but I just, you know, I do feel like, it, say, it, with a, even with A Christmas Vacation, or that I have not had time to see nearly as much like i i cleared a path for aquaman there was no way i was not going to see that on the opening <laughs> night you know but but to have time for anything else has been very very difficult so i just don't know how i
3: you know if it's you're saying what earlier you we are saying what's the one movie you're really looking yeah. forward to uh, there's nothing for me that is is i'm looking forward to more than uh avengers endgame because there's just it's like if we if if the, I want to know how they're gonna undo it. If the Avengers movie was the culmination of phase one, this is the culmination of all the
0: phases. It's the ten year anniversary, yeah. absolutely. So and it's it's going to And I'll tell you, even having watched the trailer many times on Fanboy Planet where you can see it, uh when I saw it on a big screen, oh, yeah. you, you still you know I, you, you, there is still something to me about sitting in the dark, watching with a bunch of people. And then I get surprised how many people are like, what? Yeah. You know, because to me, we've been living with this online for two or three weeks. And then, you know, somebody goes, they're doing, they are what, you know? So, which I, I think may roll into our, uh, our television section because apparently there's been some sort of issue. Netflix hasn't, if I understand correctly, hasn't rolled out Avengers infinity war, uh, all across its service yet, I don't get it. I don't know. I thought I saw it. Yeah, well, you may have. I don't yeah. I don't know if I saw it online, but I haven't had much time to look there. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, I have had confirmed, though it doesn't stream, uh, to put, you know, if for Christmas you received a copy of I Was Flesh Gordon by Jason Williams and Derek McCaw, the DVD is available through the DVD service on Netflix, but not on the streaming. Which I'm not surprised it wasn't available no. on the streaming. But a friend uh, just emailed me and said, oh, I had to watch the movie. So I got it from, from Netflix. So, hey, there's a good New Year's
2: Eve movie. I don't know. <laughs> um, and if
0: sure. You, and if you have a Feast of Kings uh, gift, some families do celebrate that. You know, I still say, uh, I was Flesh Gordon makes a nifty little Christmas. Uh, Stock and uh, stuff. Makes a nifty little, <laughs> little Christmas. Some people, that's what my family called it, Little Christmas, oh, okay. January 6th. So okay. it makes a great little Christmas gift. For, for a little... I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so let's talk about TV. I have no opinion here, just to say that in mid-January, Sci-Fi is going to bring Rick Remender's image book, Deadly Class, to television. Oh. The first episode is streaming on com, even as we speak. Oh, right now. Yeah. So okay. uh, I'm planning sometime this week... I like Remender. To, I, I like Remender. I, I read the first issue of Deadly Class, and I think... My problem was that at the time it was an under it was very much like the manga or the, the anime. See, my son has infected me. I watched. I over. You know. I walk into the room and see him watching as Assassination Classroom. Uh-huh. I think uh, uh, is the name of the anime where they are all learn. They have different abilities and they're learning to kill. So to me, Deadly Class as a comic seemed very similar to that. But I'm hearing really good things about the TV series. So if you want to watch the first episode, at least the first episode, it is available on sci-fi.com. Cool. Which I think they had done with Krypton, too. And that got me hooked on Krypton, even mm-hmm. though I haven't finished it. But really well done and a great opportunity. What just launched on Netflix last week, finally coming, was Happy. Uh, the first season of that from Sci-Fi showed okay. up on Netflix last oh, cool. week. So if you didn't watch it, now's the chance. Yeah. And they announced Weird Weird Al. Yankovic will be a regular in season two of Happy, so I am very happy about that. Well, that is one that I felt like when I watched the series, it it made a lot of veering from the original miniseries by by Grant Morrison and Derek Robertson, but Grant Morrison was overseeing and approving a lot of these changes and additions. And I did not understand how they could possibly squeeze a second season out of it. And by the time you get, to, you haven't watched the whole thing. No, no, I haven't. By the time they get to the last episode and do the the season ender, it's to me in a very twisted way. Hear me out on this comparison. Like the Good Place, it is not the same morality. I know you're giving right, you're, right. you're looking at me this with skepticism, right. <laughs> but like the Good Place, it's an ender that says, "I want to see more." But if they don't, this is a fine. This is a fine, yeah. a, a perfect shot to end this. Yeah, and this series on. I didn't. I didn't totally get
3: that with the good place, but I. I bought into it. You know, I. I there was just too much portent with the ending of the first season. Of oh, really? Because
0: I just felt like, like no. You could if they had not renewed with. At this point, we can talk about the spoilers of season one, right? That uh, of of the good place, not right. happy of the good place, right? That I felt that that it was like if I never knew, I could still imagine. To me it was like um in a weird way, am I spoiling if I say like the Dark Tower, the implication that the story is going to play out differently. I don't know how it's going to play out right. differently this time, but I'm okay with that. I was thrilled that it came back. The end of season two, same thing. I don't know where it's gonna go. This is awesome, but if right. they don't get a chance to go further this is still a nice I I'm okay with the inconclusive endings. Yes. And uh luckily The Good Place by the way it has been renewed for season 4 and they have I think 3 episodes left of season 3. They they took a yeah. mid they, they claimed the, it a mid-season break but it was only break. like 3 yeah. 3 episodes left. But oh it's been really good the season. And and the last episode of 2018 was was and they've admitted this it was the so they could they could submit Darcy Carden for an for an Emmy it was supposed to oh, be yeah. it was supposed to be that when they went into the void that was where they were going to break and they said no this episode after is too good yeah we, we have to submit Darcy right. for it for an Emmy and oh that was a terrific you know and well, I and I still go with it. it's like okay if they ended there I would be like, okay, I know that not everything's resolved, but I can imagine that it would work out the way I want it to. But there are still mysteries. Where I feel like there are old series where, no, the cliffhanger was too great. I would never have cared if Gilligan got off the island. I'm not going to talk about that one. But, you know, I think it was Alien Nation, which I loved. Yeah. That Fox series. Um, And there are a couple. Maybe that's a good, uh, you know, Panel topic sometime about what cliffhangers i know people have talked about shows it. that didn't go past the cliffhanger yeah, yeah. where where you still want Dark to really guys i didn't watch that one oh. was that the that was the that was the alien invasion but right. not the one that it was the alien invasion where they they kept on giving you flashes into the far future was and, that the one on nbc or the one on Oh, TNT God,
3: I tell you I, I think it was NBC I think it was an actual Because uh, I think there have been A couple of series That had, yeah. had
0: similar titles I think Earth 2 If you remember that one Yes uh, Tim Curry I was thinking about that Tim the, Curry the, I love Oh Tim Curry Was so frightening in that show yeah. uh, So instead of talking about What was the best television Of 2018 <laughs> We just th- went to 1988 <laughs> And how much we enjoyed that oh, oh remember the last century When people watched television and oh let me sip again
3: anyway what'd you think about the uh the gotham
0: trailer for the final season i've got to catch up because i thought just how they got me yeah you know, and maybe i won't catch up maybe i will just watch i'm the just last gonna I, I haven't watched the last two seasons so i'm just so you show me a joker that looks like the joker you showed me a scarecrow that looked like the scarecrow oh, yeah. You show me a Riddler that I'd say looks like the Riddler, and the Penguin looks even more like the Penguin. Right? Uh, I have already seen a still of Bane. Bane does not look like Bane, but I don't care. The show him in the, the yeah. Oh yeah, I, I could probably gloss over. It. I maybe not a regular, Yeah, because he doesn't look. The only time, and this is so ironic to me, the only time that Bane on screen has looked like Bane is in the worst possible movie he could have been in, which was Batman and Robin but that was the only one that yeah, actually had yeah. Bane looking like Bane. Yeah. You've got this fantastic character design that pays homage to what his influences are and nobody else right. every auteur does something else with it right, and that's right. stupid. But the rest of Gotham seems to have embraced I guess I'm just going to dive back in and watch it.
3: I'm going to watch it. It's it's that thing was just so packed with characters and it was almost like there's a character they've been shot there's another character. Oh, they've been shot too. <laughs> like everyone's getting shot, and or you know the the yeah. the whole uh, you know. I, I I don't. I hope they actually. I hope they actually don't do the um, the Smallville ending where he finally puts on the bat suit because I don't. The last thing is a flap. I don't want that. I don't. I really don't. I I, I want. I want this. Bruce to eventually go off and do his world tour to get trained. You know what I think they should do rather
0: than... Who knows what they will do. Yeah. I got no insight, even though we just talked to a writer. Yeah. Because I didn't ask him about Gotham. Is I won't mind it if they flash forward and say like... Okay. ...10 years in the future. Right. Because I also don't want to know what year it is. Because I would like to believe, despite the fact it's on Fox... I would like to believe that Gotham takes place in the Arrowverse somewhere. And that, that because we know Bruce Wayne we, is there yeah. as an adult and, yeah. and that Batman exists. Yes. So I'd like to believe that Gotham is 15, 20 years before the Arrowverse. Yeah. and That so, would work for me. And so if you flashed forward and said, okay, now, whatever actor, whether, I think the kid, David... Mammuz, is that his name? Who yeah. plays Bruce Wayne? Um I don't think he's old enough to credibly be in the cowl. Right. So whichever actor or just give me a shadow, whatever, so that maybe next season on the Arrowverse somewhere we could get a Bruce Wayne.
3: So here's the here's a sixty four thousand dollar question.
0: Oh, it's up or to
3: hundred and twenty. Um Batman T V show. Why not? You got Flash. Oh, you and you know? I agree. Why not? Well, yeah. because you've got
0: Batwoman. Yeah, and no, no, they oh. they, they don't have room. But apparently, he's uh, and I'm two episodes behind on Titans. Uh, he is in the last episode of Titans. Oh, really? So uh, that's what I've heard. So I have to catch. That's another thing. Like uh, I think I'm almost to- caught up on. I it. think tomorrow I have nothing really pressing. It's being torn between video games that I have bought and have not played yet, and to try to get some competency at Spider Man, or Lego DC Super Villains, and uh, and catch up on Titans. Yeah, and uh, so I want because of course they did release this week a trailer for Doom Patrol coming in February. So it's well, great. So yeah, I mean, so that's my other thing. When you flash forward to two thousand nineteen. You know, the only reason, selfishly, I don't want a Batman TV series? I don't have the so time. time! to watch it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> there are too many things I want to watch that I have not yet. I can't handle another Batman series. It's true. So, <laughs> that's all there is to it. Look, I'm not behind on Gotham because... I didn't like Gotham. Right. It's because I got behind on Gotham and went, I can't, I don't have time to catch up anymore.
3: But I, you know, you talk hyper time and stuff, and they've got Superman on Supergirl. I mean, yeah. it, although he's and off, next year he's off tour of in the galaxy. And, right and, now. and
0: next year is Crisis oh, on Infinite Earths, and they'll all be oh, on the yeah. same Earth again, and you've yeah. got Constantine Perfect from timing. NBC. Oh, yeah. It's, and then you're going to merge perhaps with, I don't know, with the DC Universe app which I've heard that some people are having problems with. I have not really had a huge problem with it. Uh, I have a problem casting with it, but I think it's because I have an iPad. Uh And they just added that they're on Amazon Fire. Once DC Universe comes to PlayStation, I'm going to be in hog heaven because that's all I need. I, I need to have all my streaming services on PlayStation so I've got one device that I can watch everything through on a big screen because definitely Titans... Is, I, I wasn't sold on the first episode, but by the I'm, I'm time I'm enjoying I the heck through, out of it, I, I am enjoying Such the heck out of it. Such a violent show, though. I'm, I'm not super violent. happy about that. And when people say, like, oh, you know, it, it's, this is the, that's the Jeff Johns influence. Yeah. Jeff Johns and he and I shall agree to disagree. And you know what? He's the chief creative officer. I'm not. Um, I still think there's room for something a little nobler and more moral about being a superhero uh-huh. than I think Jeff Johns thinks. Um But... Did you watch the episode
3: where they're all like captured?
0: When they're in the asylum? Yeah. yeah.
3: That one in particular.
0: Yeah. No, it, it's disturbing. I wouldn't... Well, my son's old enough now. Yeah. But if... You couldn't give it to a 12-year-old. No, I... I, I Well, here... Okay, and somebody can write in if they want to argue with us about our parenting. Um... That that I would not. I, I'm agreeing. I agree with you. I yeah. feel there's a more that a, a more moral line, which I think even to some extent the Arrowverse crosses over. Like I said, one of the reasons I fell behind on Arrow is my son was very turned off by. He almost felt like I was forcing him into a character that he loved, and he loved reading the comics. But I think one of the things that appealed to him was like where you and I might love what, uh, looking at a comics page by an artist who's really made it realistic. Mm-hmm. My son is absolutely in the Eric Larson camp of uh, of just tell the story. Right. And if it's too real to him, he didn't like it. Now, flip side, I think video games has changed my son's attitude a little bit, and I'm going to go with that, you know, and I agree with there's some criticism of when he plays Assassin's Creed and he plays Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. Those were not my choices to give him, and I'm not judging whose choice it was. But I do think to some extent that has, even though he has this firm moral base, desensitized him to some of the violence that I kind of wish he still had. But then I also think look, reality, hey, anybody wants to counsel me here, that my son is almost 15 years old. And when I thought about, think about myself at almost 15. I was trying to push the envelope to, of what I was able to consume too, you know. So, I think I saw American War in London at 15. Uh-huh. And I know I saw Escape from New York, which, by the way, is on the movie list that he wants to watch now. And, and I think I might have even seen, because the thing was 1982, so I was probably 16 yeah. when the thing came out. So, that's on his Escape list. Escape
3: from New York is actually not. I, at the same level of violence as stuff we've been talking about.
0: No. I, well, I, you know, this reality and as yeah. is I haven't watched Escape from New York since I snuck in. Uh, I shouldn't really? say I snuck in. Uh, the Since they did not card me at the Oaks in Cupertino to see it. And I loved it, but I haven't seen it since. Yeah. I think I've seen the thing a couple of times, but that's on our list. So, you know, we'll yeah. watch that this weekend too. Yeah. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that, but, uh, but I am. And... uh you know, so I don't know when we look into what's coming in 2019. You know, I think they're moving forward the Batwoman series, but that's even in the fall. We've got so much spring stuff. As I said we've got Doom Patrol coming. We've got I think there's gonna be another round of Preacher. I haven't finished last year's season of Preacher. Yeah, there's all this Arrowverse stuff. I I with you. I'm seeing again. I I want Superman. I want Tyler Heckland to get a Superman series yeah. because I don't think that they're going to do anything with them with the movies. And so back to the real basis of your question, should there be a Batman movie is I think for whatever reason, and I think they're wrong. Warner brothers does not think there should be a Batman TV series because, because he is still their cash cow Yeah, consistently. Batman movies make money. Yeah. So, yep. you know, we shall see what does 2019 hold? I don't know. What is your favorite series of 2018? I will say The Good Place. If you're not watching The Good Place, I and we've talked about it a few times, I'm going to go, I've said to a few friends, we're going to be talking about The Good Place changing the game for what a sitcom could handle, Yeah. Uh, but also in terms of what television could do. This is a show that actually fulfills that promise of television that you can get ethics lectures week after week with source references with source (laughs) references and love it and not realize that you were most of the time not realize that's what was happening yeah and be laughing your butt off and get totally invested in the care because the good places made me cry a few times Uh uh-huh and that's damn good writing that's just and an, an amazing performances and if you haven't caught up and seen Darcy Carden's tour de force in the yeah. end of the as, as Janet playing every character every character beautifully and yeah. brilliantly that was the best series of yeah. 2018
3: my the one my best series which is nowhere near as pointed or important as The Good Place but still um, this season of Arrow brought me back and, the, and that's the, story, the story and it, it's because the storyline brought me back it wasn't the it wasn't the violence it wasn't the crazy characters because everybody in that prison was basically just another guy know, it was a, it was a it was the prison redemption arc for for yeah. Oliver and, and they had to do that to get over all the sins of the first season where he was actively killing people and yeah. so now he's redeemed and now he's got to walk the line and stay redeemed
0: yeah, so I mean it's interesting because for Arrow I was thinking about this last week. I guess it's not the first time you have told me. Yeah. uh about that and that it's like walking dead. My problem now with Arrow is I don't know how to recommend to someone if you know there's a bad stretch of ser- of the series. Like is it accessible enough that you could just go on and watch this season? Or is it? Are you you know for people that are completists, are you going to grit through a bad season? I, you know, I completists I mean, will go, completists will do that. If, I know, but it's like, like is, yeah. is it, But as long as it's not sci-fi, Flash Gordon bad, right, right. Um, but but you know, I, I mean, I feel bad about that, like because The Walking Dead. I've heard like this season got good again. And I'm perfectly content reading summations of what happened for The Walking Dead and go, oh, yeah, that was cool. I'm glad that... I'd I'd watch the first season of Arrow,
3: and then I'd watch like the the last quarter of the season before this season, and and I I think you'd be okay. There's some characters that drop in and out that you're not going to understand. There are characters
0: and actors I love. The guy that's playing Wild Dog, he was on that show Reaper years ago, which was one of my favorites. So, you know, I'm... I, I would love to catch up on them. I need to catch up on Supergirl because so many characters, yeah. just the fact that they're there, Yeah, I want to. And they're doing some
3: great social commentary on Supergirl. Yeah, yeah. I yeah.
0: I picked up on that as well. So, you know, I, I think this is a, uh, what a time to be alive and I don't have time to, to live it uh, because I've got life there's some irony there anyway hey thank you all for sharing the year with us and the years because how many years now we did 2007 with superman returns so 11 years uh or 11 and a half really uh here we go and we'll go into 2019 i'm going to shout out to nate costa we were hoping that he could join us and, and talk with us today but uh he, he he he's the, still stuck on a freeway In the in words LA. of Tremor. Uh no, I five. I five is past. He he was and he's north of it. Oh. Okay. So I five itself is just bogged down. That's not LA. Okay. He's out. Uh but it's sort of like uh, Tremors. In the words of Tremors, we left town just one damn day too late. Uh, <laughs> so Unfortunately Nate could not join us this afternoon. Uh, But thank you for joining us. And uh, so, uh, you know, once again, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, any predictions, opinions of the show you're looking forward to most in in 2019 or the movie or the comic, you know, what have you, hey, let us know. I I love having the conversation. I'm I'm still having this great conversation on the Facebook page about Titans. And I I love that Sean Orion King out in Australia is – we're weighing in and with our opinions, paragraphs back and forth, and it's it's fun. It's great. So, you know, we, we interact. So uh, please do write in and uh, let us know. And, of course, you can find anything. If you can't find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, uh, by all means, go on to the Amazon link on fanboyplanet.com. I am Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of Fanboy Planet. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding
3: you to use, use your, your powers, powers for good. good.
0: And there is a Santa Claus.